Hello and welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. And I am Jens Nelson. Or Jens Nelson. Jens Nelson. Exactly. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us, or thank you for joining us, or welcome to joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. Whether you're new or whether you're not, this is an exciting one to tune into. We are in the, the thick of July's uh, mystery month, true crime-inspired uh, noir theme song, credit to the uh, inimitable artistic genius that is Richie Rust, mm. um, who is always, uh, you know, knocking it out of the park with our variations on our theme. But uh, we are back we if you tuned in last week we covered a mystery quote unquote we we investigated a case and cracked the case of the uh woman caught in adultery we got into issues of canonicity inspiration a little bit what what how do you know what's up with the, with the, the text of the bible as we have it and how do we how do we get it and all that kind of stuff um and this week we're back with a new mystery which we have both, I believe it's safe to say, been very excited for uh, since we first sort of hatched the idea for this themed month. And, you know, I mean, this is going to be something of a, you know, kind of a monstrous topic to cover. It's gonna I mean, be it's a huge. Bit, it's gigantic. It's, 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 uh, it's going to be tough to, to fit it all into one episode. It's going to be a an absolute behemoth of of a conversation um but we're gonna try to you know cover this leviathan together mm. that was horrible that worked that worked <laughs> so well we're talking about um two different but i think it will become clear why very related uh figures in that that make appearances in the hebrew bible we, we are talking about the beasts, you know, it's a sort of loosely categorize them of behemoth and Leviathan, which are probably words that are not, they might not be everyday <laughs> vocabulary, but I'm sure we've all heard things described as being, you know, a Leviathan or a behemoth or, you know, we've, we've heard those words and we have some idea of these like gargantuan beastly creatures um, even if we aren't necessarily as immediately aware of what their appearances in the Bible are, or we, maybe we know that they're in there somewhere, but we can't remember what is said about them or whatever. But we are going to cover both of them because they are, I think, basically two, they're, they're kind of two uh, instances of the same sort of mysterious phenomenon, right? There, we'll explain more about their identities in terms of defining them, and then that, I think, will lead to why I think we'll both come to the conclusion that these are basically, they, they should be covered together. Instead of doing an episode on Behemoth or Leviathan, it made more sense to do an episode on both of them. Um, so, without, you know, bad segues and further ado... Do you do you want to start with kind of running through where these guys or gals show up in the texts of the Hebrew Bible, or do we want to start maybe with more like who are they or what are they, or yeah. do you have some kind of like anecdotal personal story about either of these that you want to share? Or for sure, I'll start. Where with do you want to start? Yeah, I'll start with an anecdotal story, and then the way that I sort of framed this discussion was to talk about behemoth and then to talk about leviathan and then you know sort of talk about them together because like you said they're almost like two you know one side of the coin one's the other side heads and tails or however you want to say that um two sides of the same coin but but yeah so i i, I would like to first start with my little anecdote um and i think this is this is going to be I, I think we'll see by the end uh what these creatures are uh, but growing up, my my assumption, or maybe it was someone that taught this to me, or, or maybe I heard it in Sunday school somewhere, but growing up, my assumption was that these were dinosaurs. 
that these were, uh, you know, ancient creatures that have long been extinct, but that existed in the Old Testament. Uh, they died either in the flood or shortly thereafter. Um, but that's the only way that we could have an explanation. Um, as we'll read in a second, I'll read part of Job 40 that describes the behemoth in particular. Um, and, and some translations over the, the last several hundred years, you know, they'll, they'll call this an elephant or a rhinoceros, or a hippopotamus, and there have been other, uh, you know, other suggestions on what this animal could be or might be, but not all of those animals fit the description that is found in Job. So maybe we'll just start by reading Job, uh, because that's one of the most prominent examples of of the behemoth in in scripture. And if you believe that Job was written sometime maybe between Genesis 11 and 12, it's probably the first instance in which we, or by we I mean people, uh, heard about the behemoth in scripture directly. Um, So Job 40, starting specifically in verse 15, it says, Look at behemoth, which I made along with you. And I should mention, this is God. This is from the mouth of God talking to Job. Look at behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like cattle. Look at the strength of his back and the power and the muscles of his belly. He stiffens his tail like a cedar tree. The tendons of his thighs are woven firmly together. His bones are bronze tubes. His limbs are like iron rods. He is the foremost of God's works. Only his maker can draw the sword against him. The hills yield food for him while all sorts of wild animals play there. He lies under the lotus plants, hiding in the protection of marshy reeds. Lotus plants cover him with their shade. Uh, The willows by the brook surround him. Though the rivers rage, Behemoth is unafraid. He remains confident, even if the Jordan surges up to his mouth. Can anyone capture him while he looks on or pierce his nose with snares? So again, a pretty... pretty, uh, large animal, if you will. This is an animal of great substance. Uh, Only God is able to tame him. Man has not been able to do so. I mean, the strength of his back, the power in his muscles, his tail being stiff like a cedar tree, that for me, I think, has always been that the verse that makes me feel like, there's no way it's an elephant. Have you ever seen an elephant's tail? It's just like this little, (laughs) like, whipping around little, uh, like, pigtail almost, especially compared to the mammoth size of an elephant. Um, But regardless, this is a very large creature, and from Job, again, from from the mouth of God, we can at least determine, maybe, unless unless we want to take this passage poetically, which I don't necessarily think we have to, um, but God tells Job, I made this animal along with you. So when God created the other animals, when he he went to go create man, it seems like Behemoth was there. So was was the Behemoth, whatever this creature is, in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve? I mean, it kind of seems like it based on what God says right there in verse 15 and 16. Um, but yeah, that that's that's sort of like, t- to me, the, the passage you go to first when you want to talk about, about Behemoth. Um, he, it's this, this beast of, of a character. He shows up a couple of times, but most prominent here. Um, but he... He's this almost like primordial, I don't know if that's the right word, but like this this prehistoric almost uh, chaos monster. Um, and like like Lucas has already alluded to, it, it is it is um, uh, paired and and connected to the other chaos monster, the Leviathan. Um, so we have the behemoth on land and Leviathan in the water. These two creatures that are very mysterious, shrouded in, like, uncertainty. Chaos is going to be super important in understanding what's going on with Leviathan, in my opinion. But before we scooch over there, I I actually find find Behemoth a lot harder to make sense of, ironically, um, than Leviathan. uh, And and I'll make my case for that, for why I think at least there seems to be a... A relatively clear understanding of of what Leviathan's probably all about, but what's really interesting, or, or some of the interesting things to to think about with Behemoth is like obviously there there's this description where you 
you you think about you know in more modern times the traditional explanations of a hippo or an elephant or something like that like these very big powerful um you know you know like like you said substantial creatures that that we're aware of that you know maybe this is a a, a way of 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 describing them it's like you know ancient people weren't stupid like they weren't unable to describe a hippo or an elephant so i think that kind of like i and i'm, I'm glad you know you brought up the dinosaur thing earlier I, I think it's the same kind of thing like that's certainly plausible to to think oh you know like there's this creature that seems to match up with most of this description and you know so this is a a word that we don't quite understand but here's the, the description that's defining it you know it seems like they're talking about this or whatever but like I feel like that's that's I'm not saying that that's impossible or that's that's you know certainly not what's going on, but I don't think that's what's going on, and it seems to me to be a very modern um, attempt to have scripture fulfill certain kinds of you know roles or fit certain kinds of functional boxes that we have as modern people for texts or for you know. Um, history or for words or whatever and I, I just I think it's a very modern thing that doesn't make any sense and it's totally unnecessary if we're reading scripture on its own terms and if we're asking like what are those terms I, I think the thing that's helpful about this passage in Job 40 is that the, the the terms are very obvious about what's going on in Job 40 like if you remember the story of Job where 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 we're at the point where God has appeared just to Job to confront him and his friends, or, you know, well, really confront Job um, after Job and his friends have been going back and forth for a long time to confront Job about his grumbling to, he, he is confronting Job and, and he is saying, you are, you are you. I am, I am who I am. I am God. And I, you know, who are you to talk to me about, you know, to make sense of these supernaturally inexplicable things that have happened to, to Job. You know what I mean? Um, who are you? Because I am the one who created Behemoth. And here's here's this description of Behemoth. And there, there are, I can't remember if it's after this or before this, um, but I actually remember a, a sermon at Moody uh, that was all about this. There, There's this, these remarkable chapters where God is going through all of these different animals. And he's saying, I made this, and I can't remember all, you know, I made this jackal that does this, and I made this bird that, that flies over here, and I, and he's just, you know, it's this, it's this expansive sort of, uh, you know, superlative description of, of God's power and, and sovereign authority over his creation. And especially we see that with, with Behemoth, because he's not just a jackal or a hyena or a, a vulture or whatever, but he's, he's this, He's this, uh, you know, massively powerful beast, um, and it's really clear that that's that's what what's going on in the story of Job, and in the the book of Job at this point. Um, so the 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 purpose of Behemoth being brought up in this way, I think, is really clear just in in the course of reading the text. Um, that doesn't necessarily get us any closer to identifying what quote unquote a behemoth is. Um, I think that's the wrong question to be asking. And I think that'll make more sense again, not to be, you know, coy, but I think once we talk about Leviathan and the connections will be made clear. Also, what's really kind of funny is the word behemoth is just the plural word for beasts. Like it's not, it's not a mysterious word. Behemoth is not a mysterious word. And behemoth is the is the plural. It's a feminine word. Oat is the feminine plural ending in Hebrew. And so it's it's literally beasts. Now, it's also obvious in the text of Job that he, he's not talking about like, look at the beasts that I created. They do this, this, and this because they're these singular, you know. Look at, look at behemoth. He does this and he plays with the whatever and his tail is like this. Um, and without necessarily getting too far down that road, like 
there's this idea that you know I've I've some people say it about or have said it at least about why uh, the word for God Elohim when it is ascribed to um, the God of of the Old Testament why is it plural Elohim is that plural ending it's like saying gods but it's talking about one God um, and some people have said there's this there's this uh, characteristic of Hebrew to to make things plural to indicate that they're like the highest of it um, maybe that's w- what's going on with with behemoth so it's like we're talking about this beast that is so so like the pinnacle of what it means to be a beast that the name for it is just beasts you know like God is the king of kings behemoth is the beast of beasts maybe um, I, I, again, that makes sense. I'm not going to say that that can't be it. I don't know that that has to be the answer, but I think the point is we see the purpose of this discussion of behemoth, I think clarifies like the image that's being evoked is not, oh, you know, we just got to figure out what, you know, (laughs) what animal the author of Job was trying really hard to describe and did it in such a way that it doesn't quite fit. That seems like a that seems like a silly way to approach this, um, especially when you take into account the context in a broader sense of um, not just you know primarily ancient Near Eastern, but but also as we'll see um, broader uh, cultural connotations with these uh, you know beastly sort of massive uh, forces of just you know destruction and terror and, and strength. Uh, that I think Behemoth falls into and uh, Leviathan is a, is a much clearer example of. So I think it might be a good time to move on to sort of talking about Leviathan, if unless you've got something else to add uh, about, you know, Behemoth specifically. But, but Leviathan shows up in a few more places. Um, Job 41, the entire chapter, the next chapter, is devoted entirely to talking about Leviathan. Um it's a similar kind of thing in tone where it seems to be God saying like, look at Leviathan and he, and he's giving descriptions of Leviathan and all these things that Leviathan does um, and how that's all under basically, you know, under God's thumb. Right. And, and how that, that, that insanely powerful coiled twisting serpent of the sea um, is not somehow outside of God's uh, purview and power and authority. Um, because it's a whole chapter, instead of reading that, um, I think maybe some some shorter sections uh, are worth reading. Um, one that give or a couple that give like um, somewhat of an actual description of Leviathan. They both come from the Psalms. Um, so Psalm seventy four verses twelve through seventeen says, "God, my King, is from ancient times, performing saving acts on the earth." You divided the sea with your strength. You smashed the heads of the sea monsters in the water. You crushed the heads of Leviathan. You fed him to the creatures of the desert. You opened up springs and streams. You dried up ever-flowing rivers. The day is yours. Also the night. You established the moon and the sun. You set all the boundaries of the earth. You made summer and winter. So again, you got this expansive, creative, powerful ascriptions to God. Um, And in that process, you're getting a description of Leviathan as, as this this multi-headed sea monster uh, that was fed to other creatures. Um, And then again in Psalm 104, verses 24 to 26, How countless are your works, Lord. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the sea, vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both large and small. There the ships move about, and Leviathan, which you formed to play there. So again, this idea of God's creative... um, sort of, you know, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like, Leviathan and Behemoth belong to God in a sense. Um, he made them. He He's the one who put them where they are. And then finally, Isaiah 27.1, in a less, um, in a different context, um, it, it's it's not necessarily referring to to primarily, like, God's power and works in the sense of his, his creation, um, but he's prophesying about the Lord's, uh, you know, vengeance on, on 
on his enemies. On that day, the Lord, with his relentless, large, strong sword, will bring judgment on Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent. He will slay the monster that is in the sea. So really interesting and kind of just enigmatic on the surface references to this twisting, multi-headed, sea-dwelling monster serpent guy. (laughs) Um, What's up with that? (laughs) What do you, what do you, you, I don't, what's up? (laughs) I I, I wish I knew. And this is, I, I, I'm always intrigued by these things. I, I love the the some of the mystery to it, not for the sake of like wanting to know exactly what this creature is. Like, oh, it's a you know, this is the Loch Ness monster or something. Like, I I, I like sometimes reading those speculations and those ideas simply because it's interesting to to see what people think. Um, but I like that. I, I like what you said about Behemoth and the reason why it matters. And and very similarly. Because, I mean, it follow, like you said, Job 40 is about Behemoth, and Job 41 is about Leviathan. Um, and it's and it's God making this point that, like, you know, who are you, oh man? I am the creator of all these things. I'm the one who, who made them, who sustains them, who governs everything. I'm the one with the power to control them. I, I, I mean, the, the description in Job 41, can you pull the Leviathan with a hook or tie his tongue down with a rope? And so, you know, people that lived in the the ancient world who are maybe more familiar with with fishing and with the sea, um, they knew what it was like to to be out in the waters and to do this. Um, and then when you go a little bit further down, this thing, um, this thing just starts to get so crazy. Um, it talks about the rows of scales, how they're they're sealed closely together. One scale is so close to another that no air can pass between them. Uh, his snorting flashes with light. Uh, flaming torches shoot from his mouth, fiery sparks fly out, smoke billows from his nostrils as from a boiling pot, his breath sets coals ablaze, and flames pour out of his mouth. Like, the the more that this thing is described, it almost sounds like a dragon, like when we when we think of, like, in our, our modern uh, articulation of, like, a, a fiery serpent that can shoot flames out of its mouth. Um, but, like, at, at the end of the day, like... It, God is saying, like, I am the one who is still sovereign even over this massive sea creature that is beyond your comprehension. Um, and so for me, as as I understand that, as I as I think about my own life and I think about the the relative um uh, like how relatively tame my life is. It's not like I go out into the wild and even encounter like lions or bears or anything. Like I don't, I don't live in a part of the world where I see creatures like that. When I, when I step out my door, quite literally, I'll probably see a squirrel or a bird. Sometimes we see a deer across the street in this like taller grassy area that's kind of wooded. Um, but it's like, that's like the extent of my experience of going out into the world and seeing creatures. Now, I've mentioned on air, even recently, how much uh, the open water just absolutely fills me with terror and dread. Like, I, I don't I don't like bodies of water just because, like, they're usually pretty gross, and it's like you never know what's swimming beneath you. But, like, you're never going to catch me out in the middle of the ocean, like, on the seas. I, I can't believe that people sailed from Europe to the North and South America. Like, that blows my mind but when, when you think about you know think about stories like moby dick or um other like sea creature and sea monster epics like there's a reason that those that those stories exist because there's a there's a reality that the that the deep is so unknown to us even now even in our modern world we know so little about parts of the ocean and and what dwell there what reside there um, and so there's something like terror, terrifying about it. And that, and I think that's part of the point that, that God is trying to make, especially in Job, like this creature that dwells in the deep, this, this sea creature that is so mammoth and so frightening and terrifying, um, that, that you cannot control, um, this thing that is filled with chaos, just like your life, I am sovereign over um, and so in, in the midst of chaos, God is even almost giving Job assurance or comfort. Like as I, as I govern this creature, so I govern you and I know the number of hairs on your head. I, I know you intimately. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think, I think one of the things I'll, I'll touch on here next is, is simply 
um, uh, Leviathan and Behemoth in in different schools of thought, whether that's Jewish thought or Christian thought or or whatever. Um, this this is this I find really interesting. Um, the so Jerome, we we we've talked about Jerome. Um, Jerome comments on Psalm one o four twenty six, um, saying that about Leviathan that this is the dragon that was cast out of paradise that beguiled Eve and is permitted in this world to make sport of us. How many monks and clerics has it dashed headlong? They all look to you. Uh, to give them food in due time for all the creatures of God live at his bidding. Um, super. I, I wish I had like the fuller context of that passage, but like, as I was reading a couple different um, uh, like articles and, and, and little bits about Leviathan, I saw that twice, that little bit about, about Jerome saying that this Leviathan is the dragon or the serpent that was cast out of, out of Eden. Um, that, that I found fascinating. Whoa. And that I wanted to bring up where where else do we see um, a dragon? I think of Revelation. Yep. And um, the dragon is very clearly identified uh, with the serpent from Genesis in Re- in the book of Revelation. Um, if I'm remembering that correctly, I believe I am. And what's more, um, it, so the re- like serpent. Um, you know, flaming, flying serpents. Um, that's what. That basically that that's what the seraphim look like. If you look at like ancient sources and and angelology and stuff, um, and I believe there's a tradition that that Satan was a seraph because the seraphim are the ones that are closest to you know we see in Isaiah six they're closest to the throne, um, closest to the divine essence and. Um, and so you see this, you, I, I don't think he's, 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 you know, I don't think Jerome's off. Um, I think that, um, and, and there's even more that I think substantiates that, substantiates that uh, when we take into account the broader presence of Leviathan in ancient Near Eastern culture um, as a, you know, either God or, or servant of a God. Um, in pagan religion, and we see this in, especially in um, the the Baal cycle. Um, so Yom is is the, is the goddess of the sea, and Baal basically is is fighting against Yom and defeats Lotan, which is the which comes from the same Semitic root uh, that we have Leviathan, um, the coiled serpent, who is like Yom's like sort of pet monster, vicious you know, servants or whatever. Um, and you see this, this theme. So you have, you have Baal defeating Lotan. You have, you know, from a, from, you know, bear with me. Um, we see, we see Baal Hadad defeats Lotan in the Baal cycle. In the Hebrew Bible, we see Yahweh defeating Leviathan. Uh, I think it's in the Enuma Elish. Marduk defeats the Tiamat, defeats Tiamat. Um, you have this, this, um, order and chaos, uh, theme, sort of this motif that recurs across um, religious myth and text. You've got Zeus slays Typhon in, in, in Greece. Uh, Thor fights against Jorgmungandr, um, apparently. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And even in the Vedas, you have this battle between Indra and Vitra. Um, and so there's this, and, and in, in the study of, of like, Comparative religions. This is called a chaos conf, chaos struggle theme, myth theme, like a, like a theme of, of these myths. And I'm not saying that the the Old Testament is is just you know cribbing from some sort of you know primordial story that you know that means we can just do away with because a bunch of people all had similar stories. I think that the reason all these people across the entire world had all these similar stories is because it's something true, which is the dragon. And and also the importance of, of chaos and the sea, which obviously even more so than behemoth is, is relevant with Leviathan, who is literally a sea beast, a sea monster or whatever, um, is also a thread, not just the presence of, of a dragon that we associate with, with, 
um, you know, the devil um, that that we can kind of trace from the beginning to the end of scripture, but chaos and the sea before God sets the, well, (laughs) makes everything and then sets it in order on the six days of creation, what do we have? We have the spirit of God hovering over the waters, which are formless and void. They are, they are in chaos. There's no order. Um, not getting into the, the sort of structure of creation, but you have these formless and void waters that are chaotic because there's no form, they're empty, and they're set in order. You have light, and then it's divided from the darkness, and then you have land, which is divided from the sea, and then you have, you know, sky, which is divided from the sea. And, and that is then set, you know, delineated and set in order and then filled on the other days of creation with the fish and the birds and the and uh, the animals and the, and all that stuff. So you see in the stars and the sky and everything. So you see that is is a very common theme in all really uh, ancient religions. But but you see that happening in Genesis one, um, and then you see this. So so you've got chaos and you've got this serpent in Genesis one, two, and three, um, and then all you know skip ahead all the way to Revelation. And there's this weird little note that says that in the new heavens and the new earth, there's no sea. And that doesn't mean that God's going to get rid of water. That means chaos has been put, done away with. The the forces of chaos, which we can, you know, I would, would say is synonym for, for our purposes and our vantage point is the, the demonic forces of, um, you know, Satan, the fallen angels, whatever, um, and not just in this sort of fantastical whatever, but but what we identify as the spiritual forces of evil, um, they are done away with, right? And why is it why is it such a big deal that Jesus calms the storm on the sea? That's it. it he is manifesting the fact that he is the one who sets the waters in, the waters of chaos in order. And we've already read Psalms and and, and uh, Job and Isaiah. Who who does that? It's the God of Israel. So there's this there's this really really. This is why I say Leviathan makes a lot of sense and is really clear. There's there's within the cultural context of that region of the world as well as others. There's this very clear um, parallel to other um, beasts from uh, religious and historical cultural texts. Um, but but more importantly, what that beast serves, whether we're talking about Tiamat, whether we're talking about Lotan, whether we're talking about Leviathan, or even uh, Greek, Norse, or, or Hindu mythology, we're talking about chaos and order, good and evil, right? Or evil and good. And um, that's what's going on. And that that is why God spent a whole chapter of Job being like, Look at Leviathan. That's no big deal. I made him. <laughs> this this coiled serpent that 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 is the Im- sort of embodiment of chaos. He's he's the same to me as you are, you little du- speck of dust. Um, I have uh, control and sovereignty over the forces of chaos, and so that's all of that's to say. Um, that's why I think Jerome is is basically right, and I cheated because I know what I know. I see your notes, so I know where your um, the other schools of thought. But I I'm gonna just you know come out and say it and and say that I'm gonna on this mystery I'm gonna land with Jerome mm. when it comes to these monsters, um, and they fit into this broader you know really universal human story um, of good and evil, order and chaos, uh, which you know to put a to put a just a a sort of a to put your finger on it is is the story of of um christ overcoming our uh sin and corruption and descent into nothingness and bringing us back into relationship with god that we originally had and we lost in 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 eden and um i think it's it sounds pretty rad and metal for jerome to be like Oh yeah, that, that that Leviathan is just Satan, who's that dragon who was in the garden. Um, but I think there's more to it than just um, sort of trying to piece together obscure passages. I think there's actually a very a very um, 
discernible thread through the story of redemption mm. that um, that Leviathan slots very nicely into. <laughs> Ironically, the chaos monster slots in a very orderly fashion into <laughs> um, the story that God's telling um, and enacting through our history. Um, and I... I didn't want. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I, that was the only place where all of that fit. So I no, wanted that to, was, get to to talk about that. That was great, um, and I almost feel like man. And right there, I don't know how how you could end any better. Um, I, I think I'll just mention a couple other things that I had here. Um, I, I had I had looked a little bit at later Jewish sources that again describe Leviathan as a dragon who lives over the sources of the deep. Um, and I kept seeing this, this like made no sense to me. I don't know exactly where this comes from, but uh, so this creature, Leviathan, along with the land monster behemoth will be served up to the righteous at the end of time. I don't know if that meant like had been given up some, some references almost made it seem like it was a meal that we would consume as though we were to, to eat behemoth and Leviathan. Do you know anything about that? I think that's, I think that's right. Um, that it is it is uh, given up to in the sense of given as a meal. Um, there's actually you know I mention this all the time and this is a great topic because this is kind of the the stuff they do all the time. But the Lord of Spirits podcast has an episode on Leviathan. Oh, nice. Um, and I remember I remember I, I I don't remember where that where that fits or or uh, the explanation of it, but I I do remember them talking about that. So I think it is correct that at least in that. Um, later jewish tradition it, it does refer to giving in the sense of eating hmm. which is also pretty, pretty savage bad. yeah that's <laughs> man uh, s- similarly uh the book of enoch i believe somewhere around uh chapter 67 through 9 describes leviathan as a female monster i don't know if that makes a difference but a female monster dwelling in the watery abyss while behemoth is a male monster living in the desert um, I'm going to butcher how to say this, of Duyadin. Basically, it means East of Eden. Um, so again, I, I, like we've been saying all along on this episode, is the, these two creatures, Behemoth and Leviathan, as these epitomes uh, almost of, of chaos, this thing that is untamable, this thing that is somewhat even beyond our, our comprehension um, as being this uh, this other force that that God is yet still sovereign over, and there's any number of, you know, lessons that we can extrapolate from that. Um, but to, I think, sort of bring it home, to, to, to bring this to an end, what better way to, to think about Job 40 and Job 41? Again, in the context of Job, if, if you've never read Job, like, you should probably just go and sit and read it in one sitting because it's great. It might take you a while. Um, but the, the very quick high level is that Job is this man who... Uh, is basically really righteous. Uh, Satan goes before God somehow and is like, I want to tempt Job, and God allows it uh, other than taking Job's life. And so uh, the devil basically um, destroys everything that Job holds and loves near and dear. His his children die. Um, I think like, you know, in-law children die. Um, his 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 cattle, his land, like his his possessions, all are gone, and so Job is almost left with nothing but these friends of his and and his wife, um, who who you know at different times try to speak into his situations, try to comfort him, bring him some sort of um, uh, you know reprieve in these difficult days, but. But throughout the book, Job is really wrestling with, uh, with, with death, with losing things, with thinking that, you know, I'm this righteous man, I've, I've, I've lived and I've obeyed, why are these things happening to me? And so that's sort of like the, again, very high level context of what is going on when God directly talks to Job in Job 40 and 41. And so to help him remember his place in the world, God points to him basically the two mightiest creatures the behemoth on land and the leviathan in the sea. So as we've said, these you know these animals are incredibly powerful. They're probably frightening to behold. I mean, if leviathan actually has several heads, I, I can't picture any other animal that has se- several heads, but it sounds pretty freaky to me. The these weren't pets. You know, I've got cats. I mentioned them. Sometimes you hear them on air. First of all, cats are like 
apex predators that eat little bits of kibble out of a bowl and throw it up. I don't understand that. Like, but anyway, Leviathan and Behemoth are not that. They are not someone's pets. Uh, although maybe you could say they're gods. God's the only one who could pierce the nose, who can tame Leviathan, who can tame Behemoth. Um, and so the pride and glory of man paled in comparison to the dreadful, untamable strength of the Behemoth and Leviathan. So how much more humble is man in God's presence? Um, and I think that's kind of the, the, the point of this passage, right? Is that neither Job nor anyone has the right to criticize God's work or what God does in the world. The one who created Behemoth is worthy of our reverence, of our awe, and our worship. The, the one who, who, who created these giant creatures, who uh, keeps them in check. The one who's, like you said, Jesus calms the storm. The one who has the voice to, to calm the waves and the waters, to, to even walk upon them. We're not even talking about calming. We're talking about a man who walked on them, which is, again, another picture to me of, of conquering chaos, of conquering our sin. I mean, to, to literally walk upon that which is chaotic, that you as a normal man cannot walk on. You have to be in some sort of vessel that is in constant... Uh, peril almost. I mean, any any shift in winds or waves or creatures can take your vessel and capsize you or destroy it or, you know, puncture the hull or whatever. Um, yet Jesus walks on these waters who, who tames behemoth and leviathan. And man, that is... Uh, I mean, at the end of at the end of time, when we stand before our Lord, he is the one who whom we worship. Um, and similarly, he is the one who ought to be who ought to be feared, who ought to be revered as as more powerful, um, more mighty than these 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 creatures. And I guess one of the last things I'll say, because I'm just generally curious, like I know it doesn't matter per se, um, but I am kind of curious what these creatures are because if nothing else, I so let, let me just say there there are sort of like three, well, there's several, but three interpretations of what could be going on here, right? Um, so like Behemoth and Leviathan very well could be natural, um, just like modern animals that exist today even. Like it, this, we could be talking about a hippopotamus and a crocodile, uh, I believe some translations will even call these animals that, a hippo and a crocodile. Um, so that's sort of number one, right? Number two is that these oh, could... Wait. Cro crocodiles, noted multi-headed <laughs> snakes that breathe fire. I'm not saying it's consistent with what we see in the text. I'm just saying what people have tried to say <laughs> no, about No, I know. This. I'm not making fun of you. I'm making fun of... That's why I say it with the dinosaur thing. Like, I just think it's a dumb path to choose to take because yeah. it's like it's like clearly it's not a crocodile right yeah you might I not agree. like it you might it might it might be convenient but like we gotta we gotta at least reckon with the fact that job's not talking about a crocodile <laughs> well i mean and the fact that how many people actually do probably have crocodiles as pets the, the, it is very tameable i could put a hook through a crocodile if i really wanted to i mean i won't very tameable <laughs> very tameable and also like very cookable and delicious right. so exactly. maybe it, maybe it is because it's it'd be given up to the saint okay uh, maybe, maybe there it is maybe i'm persuaded right yeah so that's number one natural animals in the world whatever number two is that the this could be um sort of like poetic uh, a poetic invention of of the author of job um so perhaps if it was job himself or somebody else whoever wrote this account um you know is is writing about what was said by god and god was using poetic nature or sorry poetic language to describe something in nature um like maybe I don't know, like, I don't really know how I feel about that one because it's like it, when, when God's talking to Job, it seems like these are two things that Job would be familiar with because he was talking about other animals, like you mentioned, that would be fam familiar, familiar to Job. Um, and and then lastly is that Behemoth and Leviathan were both separate, you know, mythical chaos beasts. And mythical doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't exist. It just means that we do not maybe know how to categorize them. They're these, they're these other types of creatures that maybe be, maybe go beyond our comprehension or in our modern understanding. Um, and that's sort of like where I want to fall. I, I kind of want to think that these are somewhat mythical. They're a little bit elusive in nature. Maybe maybe they're not even on the earth anymore. I don't, that I don't know. But what I'm saying is these were creatures that were of such magnitude that I don't think we can come to some direct comparison 
to some modern equivalent. I don't know how you feel, but I at least wanted to say that that like these things are so mysterious that like they're they're these mysterious chaos beasts, and I don't know what they yeah. are. I think I think that's the best. I think that's a really those like whatever version of each of those three um, you want to land on. Like, oh, it's not a hippo; it's a whatever. You know, like whatever version of of that. Um, I think those are really helpful. Like, sort of. Uh, categories for for trying to think about like how we want to interpret these verses but I think I think that that like I said before you know with with what Jerome was saying in in that in his commentary on that psalm and and following this through line of of these monstrous you know I like how you say like chaos monster chaos beast like I think that's I think that that um words come to mind like mythical in in the sense that you said not in the sense of like fake because that's not really what myth means but mythical um supernatural uh demonic in, in a broad sense you know like these are the kinds of of adjectives that i think of that i think fit uh or or, or you know could or should fit in in um, trying to come up with uh, ways of, of, of identifying these, like you said, very elusive, um, monsters, you mm. know, um, cause he, and I think even the word monster is good. Cause yeah, you know, for sure. We usually talk about monsters as, as these sort of, um, there's, there's a certain shroud around them, you know, uh, like they're not just scary or strong or dangerous, but they're also, there's also that, that sense of, of mystery, um, so I don't know, like Hence even as I say, there's a sense this of, month. That's why we. That's why we wanted exactly, to talk about it. Ex- exactly. So you know, I've, I'm trying to push the the very loose connection between this month and how popular true crime investigation podcasts are. So like, on the one hand, I want to I want to make a joke about you know. Again, we've cracked another case and come to the bottom of it and we figured it out and we've got all the answers and the data and the evidence laid out. But on the other hand, part of part of my answer, like you're saying, is there's this there's this uh, elusive mystery that's going on to where these these <laughs> these the creatures unsolvable are, are mystery. Yeah, these creatures are, are serving um, a functional role in this broader story of redemption and that's why they show up the way that they do where they do when they do that's kind of how i want to answer it so like mm. it's an answer in the you know sense like if someone comes up to me and says you know what's up with leviathan i was reading job what's what's like now like like having thought through and prepared for this episode i feel like now i could actually answer that question mm. instead of just like yeah man that's crazy it's pretty wild how <laughs> there's a sea mon you know Whatever, like I, I think that there is a, there is a, a, an answer for, an answer in the sense of like there's a purpose. It's not just like this random, you know, chapter that, that just doesn't really mean anything. It's just kind of there and it's interesting. Um, no, it's definitely more than that, but not an answer in the sense of like, oh yeah, Job was a guy talking about a hippo, and it can kind of like you know sweep that i feel like both of those answers are this it's the same answer it's, right. it's giving up and not really trying to answer what mm. what what's really going on and i think that's um i think that uh this was a fun one agreed and um we've more or less you know sort of both both of these so far you know we we've kind of i don't i wonder i don't want to spoil what the future topics are i wonder if we'll come to different conclusions about any of these topics because because we we've pretty much agreed just like that the when you think it through it kind of the kind of you know with the woman in kind of adultery and, and canon questions more broadly and then this like we're we've been on the same page so far maybe that's just because we're such a, a great uh dynamic you know, duo the dyna- dynamic investigation yeah uh duo squad that well, I we're think- just so good at I think research. we've picked such good we've picked <laughs> such good topics that all fit into our, into this theme that we had, and I've I've felt like Mystery Month didn't quite capture it like prior to going into this month, but as I've like mm-hmm. actually now that we're in the month and we've had two of the discussions out of the four, I really do feel like we're still left with mystery because we haven't solved anything. Mm. I haven't told you definitively that I found out that Behemoth is 
uh, a stegosaurus or something, right? Like we we still don't. It's <laughs> right. not like we we know what these things are. So this this mystery still exists and the answer eludes us but i think that's the point like we don't have the answers yeah. to everything and it, i think that's a fun little like inadvertent wordplay yeah. that we've we've stumbled on where we're we're riffing on like solving mysteries and like investigating and gathering data and then put it piecing it together to come up with an answer um you know What's up with this story in John's gospel? It doesn't look like it, it's supposed to be here. So why is it here? Let's let's get to the bottom of it. And then at the end, we kind of are left with this broader discussion where we've 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 answered some questions, but we're left with these bigger questions of, you know, we're talking about from our perspective, you know, and if you don't share this, you're still obviously welcome here, but God's in holy inspired text. And there's definitely going to be some mystery in in a, the more theological sense um where you're 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 piecing together these these very big issues relating to how god gives us his literal words hmm. his holy scriptures and then here we can piece together we can solve the mystery in the sense of like a you know like law and order mystery we can we can we can solve the case of like, oh, this is what this is my case for what I think Behemoth and Leviathan are, but that 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 all that is 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 pointing us, you know, in the case that we've landed on, is just pointing us to the the mystery in that theological sense of, you know, God Jesus's power over over the forces of chaos and the the role that these beasts have in our in 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 our world or, or don't have or do have or. You know, like there's there's sort of this wordplay where we're 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 solving the the quote unquote mysteries of that you know these topics we've chosen that are kind of bizarre or confusing or questionable, and those quote unquote solutions leave us face to face, sort of in reverence before the mysteries of um, these topics that we're getting into in terms of um trying to you know plumb the depths of these divine and spiritual realities that that you know we're just trying to grasp <laughs> with our puny little human brains so i, I don't know that seems like a like we didn't plan or at least i didn't plan that but i think that it um it, it is a funny little pun that uh solving mysteries in one sense really just leaves you with a greater awareness of the bigger mysteries in another sense that yeah. are, um, that are present, uh, whether we're aware of them or not. For know. sure. And, you know, by now I'm sure our listeners have aged hundreds of years and they're probably done wanting to, you know, wanting, listening to our, our voices ramble <laughs> on even further. Um, but I, I, you know, you guys, you guys have made it 53 minutes or whatever through this, but I almost want to hit you with a bonus episode unplanned because I, and it's going to be just like briefly, dude, like oh. as briefly as we can. We, we, we've never really mm-hmm. done this before, but as we were talking, it just had me thinking like m- maybe we need to do a whole episode on this. But what is the deal with dinosaurs? Like it, whether Behemoth was a dinosaur or not is not what I'm saying necessarily. Um, but like w- when you think about these fossils that have been found, like these just gigantic f- what seem like, you know, huge prehistoric creatures like from your perspective right now, putting you on the spot, what do you make of, of, of those things of of dinosaurs in particular? Do you think that the earth actually is millions upon millions of years old? Do you think that these creatures were created on the couple, you know, first couple of days of creation and, uh, were destroyed in a flood or in volcanoes or other cataclysmic events? Like what's the deal? Uh, Or, and this is something I, I don't know if there's much like, I don't know if I have much to stand on here, but like, what if God created the world with fossils already in the earth? Like, what if they never existed on the earth and fossils just are in the earth for one reason or another, just to, just to confuse us even more. Satan planted the fossils to challenge our faith. Oh, no, no, no. Put, so (laughs) on the spot, on the spot, fully aware that, that this is the very beginning of scratching the surface of, working all of this out right so 
feel like push back, you know, either you right now or listeners who, who this ruffles feathers. I don't think this would ruffle many feathers for the kinds of people that are probably mostly interested in, in what we have to say. But I mean, and maybe this will ruffle your, I don't know. I mean, like the short answer is just whatever you, whatever you learned in school is what I think. Like they were, I'm going to make this as, as provocative as, as I can, um, on purpose, but my on the spot answer is these are these colossal life forms that evolved over millions of years and died out and then their bones fell into, you know, sediment and through these chemical processes that happen, the bones were preserved and then we found them when we dig stuff up. Um, like I said, the very beginning of, 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 of various cans of worms, um, Let's do an episode but, soon on dinosaurs. I'd love to. I mean, it's maybe not like biblical in the sense that we don't have direct biblical evidence, but I think we can approach this from a, a, a theological perspective, and that's what we're all about, right? Oh, for sure. And I mean, this 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 is the kinds of these are the kinds of questions that you know we we've done episodes. We, we did an episode dedicated to like creation and yeah, looking did, at yeah. looking at that, and I mean, we've definitely touched on. Um, I feel like, you know, like, Gen- we talk about Genesis 1 a lot, I feel like, just, yeah. it's, it's, which, I mean, I guess, I guess you would if you are a Christian, <laughs> it's, it's kind of the, literally the beginning of everything, but, like, I, I think that, um, the, you know, it's, it's one of those questions that, the reason I say it's a can of worms is it's one of those questions that, that sort of points to and, and highlights a lot of other it gets out. It gets out a lot of presuppositions, right? Like you can't. You can't really answer it on its own. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like because for me to say, um, oh yeah, they, they're the bones of these big lizards that lived three hundred million years ago. I can't. I can't give that answer without saying, or without inevitably raising the question of, okay, you know, if the Earth is that old. What are we, what about humans or whatever you know or, um, you know on what day did God create them? Okay, well that 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 presupposes, um, you know oh for like a Stegosaurus or whatever it would have had to be day six, because that's when he created the the you know the, the things that live on the land and the creeping things and all that kind of stuff. Uh, okay, does that where does that first of all where does that match up with like what? what the scientific consensus is on on when these different dinosaurs that lived in the ocean or in the land lived, blah, 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 that they would be on different days. Okay, well, okay, well, God created humans at the end of the six days. So so we're t- whatever we want to say, oh, okay, so day means a really long time or whatever, but, like, how long can day be if you're saying that, you know, and, I mean, I, I don't think, <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think, whatever. We've we've talked about we've talked about creation. We've talked about different views of creation. So I don't think that the that the like all those questions about the sixth day just for me are just non starters because I don't think that's what's going on in Genesis one. But so anyway, the point is that, that's why I think it's 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 very much a theological question. And also, um, <laughs> uh, forget about forget about what you want to say about dinosaurs or what you want to say about Genesis one or what you want to say about how old the Earth is like. Not forget about it in the sense that it doesn't matter. I think some of those questions matter more than others, but but sort of sort of a theology, uh, you, you know, like theology uh, in, um, and you know, some people probably aren't interested in this, but I don't think you can really be a serious thinker and not be interested in this. Um, so what what is a philosophy of science, um, and? that you have where your theology interfaces with science and, and science. I hate the, I hate using the term science like that. Um, what, what is a theology that interfaces or what, what is, what, what, what conclusions do you bring to, and not even conclusions, but what presuppositions are you interacting with when you engage? Like, is that like, what is a philosophy of science? What is a, what is a philosophical theology? What, what is a, what is a interaction between paleontology and um, geology and um, not necessarily biblical studies, but theology? 
right? And and that's where I'm really interested because you know, I'm less of a of a biblical studies kind of guy and more of a theology person. But like, because they're, 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 this is more important than just like, oh, how do I? What is the what is the correct you know what what's the collection of of assertions I can make that make coherent sense of what I think the scientific consensus is, what the, the, the Bible is saying and how these things fit together in a way that is logical and reasonable. Like before you get to that, you know, list of conclusions that you want to draw that you think is, is coherent. What are the presuppositions and the foundations of what are we going to do with, what does it mean to you that there is a, you know, consensus among paleontologists that this fossil comes from a creature that was alive 300 million years ago because before you talk about what you do with that like what what is that what does that claim or assertion mean what like what what does paleontology mean to a theological discussion of the origins of life or or whatever and and i think that these are this is why it's interesting to talk about dinosaurs because now we're talking about stuff that's way bigger than just what's a dinosaur or like how did it get there um and that's why i think it's a really val it, it, it it's it's it maybe sounds like the kind of conversations i had in high school that were probably very silly and meaningless at that time uh of you know when did God make a dinosaur? You can have a very silly answer to that, but it's not a silly question. You know, it's like saying, it's like anything else that we talk about um, when we're talking about God. How does God save somebody's soul? What's up with, how does God become a man, right? Like any of these questions, um, because they're dealing with, they're dealing with, you know, mega throwback. You, the very first thing you said on air, uh, maybe that's not true. (laughs) <laughs> Maybe it was the second thing you said on air uh, on this show back, you know, pre-COVID, if you can believe it, was that theology is a revelation of reality or, or, mm. or we might want to say like a, the truest revelation of reality is, is theology is coming to uncover that true revelation. Not that we'll do that fully or perfectly, but well, dinosaur bones exist in reality. You know what I mean? Like they're out there. So... I don't think that it's untheological to or unsophisticated to be like, well, hey, this is what I believe and this is what I say that I am about when it comes to doing theology. What do you do with a dinosaur bone? What do you do with a stegosaurus? And that leads to all these other questions that are really, really, uh, you know, more abstract. But you kind of need to work through them to get to the question of, oh, that bone, you know, God made that in the Earth's crust for some purpose versus oh dinosaurs just died out a lot more recently than people think or that that than some people think because the earth is younger than than some people think versus uh no i read genesis 1 in a way that's perfectly consistent with with the mainstream consensus of modern you know geology paleontology archaeology astrology no no i'm sorry astronomy (laughs) um (laughs) same thing uh (laughs) uh physics chemistry all that kind of stuff yeah um and i don't know you know i i don't i mean i mean that's you know sorry that uh, you you put me on the spot and i just (laughs) that was did did that which i guess is the danger of putting me putting me on the spot is that i don't really have a filter so i I knew the rest trust me i just ramble until i until i uh figure out how to say my reaction but well, um, i'll just stop you. Wh- what's a di- what's dinosaur you tell me what's up with dinosaurs well you know what we've i think we've uh, teased our listeners enough they're gonna have to come back to another episode because i want to do a more in-depth and informed discussion okay. on this because i am very intrigued by what you said and i have a lot of things that i i want to contribute but you know what it's already we've already gone an hour and four uh, so let's call it here. We're gonna we're gonna leave our listeners with a little bit of mystery as to what Jens thinks about what Lucas has said. So it's fitting. Okay. <laughs> also, the first thing I said on the podcast, apart from our introduction, was we are your new best friends. 
I do remember that yeah, because true. like I didn't know what to say. It was our first episode. We're like we hit record and yeah. we're like I guess we're doing this. Um, so we are your new best friends, and I hope that's still true. Um, anyway, let's close with a word of uh, of prayer from Psalm 104. Uh, this is a passage that directly mentions Leviathan. Uh, I think you should go and read all of Psalm 104 because it is great. But I'm going to start in verse 24 and it says, How countless are your works, Lord. In wisdom have you made them all. The earth is full of your creatures, literally possessions. I think that's interesting. The world is full of your possessions. Here is the sea, vast and wide, teeming with creatures beyond number, living things both small and large. There are uh, there the ships move about and Leviathan, which you formed to play there. I love that word of to play there. Leviathan playing in the sea. All of them wait for you to give them their food at the right time. When you give it to them, they gather it. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. When you hide your face, they are terrified. When you take away their breath, they die and return to the dust. When you send your breath, or literally your spirit, they are created and you renew the surface of the ground. May the, glory, uh, may the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. He looks at the earth and it trembles. It, uh, he touches the mountains and they pour out smoke. I will sing to the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God while I live. May my meditation be pleasing to him. I rejoice in the Lord. May sinners vanish from the earth and wicked people be no more. My soul, bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Man, someone should really just read the Bible, you know. Mm. It's so good. Who needs the Valley of Vision when you have the Psalms? Talk about a real valley. (sighs) It's so good. Right? Well, we just want to say thank you first and foremost for listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. Thank you for listening to the little bonus uh, that Lucas gave us there at the end as well, if you've made it this far. If you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter and very rarely on Instagram at Doxology Podcast, or you can send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We love your questions, feedback, ideas for future episodes. You know, maybe you want to talk about dinosaurs. Maybe you're a paleontologist, or maybe you've just always been fascinated by dinosaurs. Let us know. Maybe we'll invite you into our conversation about dinosaurs and have a little bit of an interview or something. Let us know. Uh, but we'd love to hear from you. We, we appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, be well. 